Hey, before we launch in, I just want to ask everyone who is currently serving or has served as a, as a veteran in any of our uh, branches of the military, if you'd stand up so we can give you a huge round of applause. Uh, we just are so grateful for you guys and your service, and you gals, guys and gals in your service. Um, I mean, we would not be have the freedoms we have as American citizens and live in the country that we have if it wasn't for you. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for your service and your sacrifice. Truly, truly do mean it. Uh, last week, we kicked off one of the most exciting seasons of the year here at Relevant. We call it Be Rich. The reality is most of us want to make a, a, a positive difference in our community and the world, but we always don't know how. Well, be rich is how. Be rich makes it simple. And if you're new here around Relevant, this term be rich actually comes from a passage in 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy was a letter written by the Apostle Paul in the first century to uh, his young protege who was a pastor named Timothy about how to lead and teach the people in his church to follow Jesus. And right toward the end of the letter, uh, Paul wrote this to to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world, and we always have to stop right there because you need to ask, like, okay, who's Paul talking to? Like, who are the rich people? And the reality of it is, is most people, most rich people don't know they're rich or won't admit they're rich, even if they think they might be rich. So the problem with this verse is, the, is if, if, if those of us who are rich don't think we're rich, we'll skip right over this, this passage and miss out on what God wants to say to us, what he wants to do in us, and what he has for us. Now, here's what you need to know. According to the Apostle Paul, rich is not defined by a level of income. According to the Apostle Paul and writers of Scripture, rich is defined by having more than you need. According to the Apostle Paul and the writers of the New Testament, if you have more than you need, you're rich. Now, most of us don't have everything we want, but if we're being honest, we have way more clothes, food, house, Accessible, clean drinking water, available electricity, expendable income than we need. Most of us don't feel rich because we're not as wealthy as we'd like to be. But in reality, we are rich because we have more than we need. According to the Apostle Paul, I'm rich and more than likely, you are too. Now, as rich people... I believe the best, the healthiest, the most transformational thing that we can do for ourselves, for others, for our family is stop spending all of our time trying to get more rich and instead practice being good at what we've already become. And the Apostle Paul tells us how. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, that's you and me, to do good, to, here's our phrase, be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So if you kind of narrow this all down, according to the Apostle Paul, the way to be rich is to give generously, serve sacrificially, and love extravagantly. And that's exactly what we do through our annual Be Rich initiative. Once a year, we practice being good at being rich by, all together by combining all of our resources to give, serve, and love in Jesus' name without expecting anything in return. And the reason that we do this every single year is because... It, it, is because as we practice being rich during this season together, you have a much better chance of being rich in how you give, serve, and love the rest of the year. And come on, the more that happens, the more you'll see and experience the transform work that God wants to do in you, in us as a church, in our community, and in people's lives on the other side of the world through our church. 
Now, last week we talked about the first way to be rich. We talked about the word give. And then we all had the opportunity to give generously to what we call the Be Rich Offering. If you weren't here last week, this is an offering we take once a year and give 100% of it away to our amazing nonprofit partners. And the, the list of our name, amazing pro- partners are in this little booklet we gave you last week. If you didn't, uh, if you you know, uh, weren't here last week and you want to see this, these at, they're at the two doors in the back of the auditorium on your way out. Or if you're watching online, or rather view it online, all the information in this booklet is also on our web, uh, website and mobile app. Now, next week, we're going to celebrate what, what was given last week to the Be Rich Offering. And I can't wait to praise God together because I know what was given to the Be Rich Offering is going to be a game changer for our partners and a life changer for the people that they serve in 2024. But Be Rich isn't over. As a matter of fact, we're just getting started. Today, we're going to talk about the second way to be rich, which is to serve. And once again, here's what Paul instructed Timothy. Paul instructed Timothy to command, which you look at that word. By the way, I'm starting to think Paul's not giving a suggestion. Command those, and the those Paul's specifically talking to are followers of Christ. People who have put their faith in Jesus by asking Jesus to be the forgiver of their sins and lead of their life. So that's who he's specifically talking to. But it, what he says next can be applied to Every, anyone, command those who are rich in this present world to do good, to be rich in good, not thoughts, not intentions, not feelings, good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So Paul's going, Timothy, instruct those who have more than they need not to do average good. Not to like, hey, help the old lady cross the street because you happen to be there. Or, you know, open the door for someone because you happen to get to the door first. Or help someone, pick someone who, you know, pick someone up who fell down just because you happen to see him fall. Like, everyone should do all of that stuff. Timothy, instruct them to leverage who they are and what they have for the good and benefit of others in a way that only rich people can. Instruct them to be good at being rich by serving people sacrificially. Now, every single one of us, all of us, believe that the world would be a better place if our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, our classmates, our employees, if everyone sacrificially served other people. So when we read Paul's words here, we're like, they should definitely do that. And I probably should too. But unfortunately, I can't. And I can't because I don't have anytime. I know very few people who don't know what to do with all their time. The thing that most of us have in common is we don't feel like we have any time. We don't feel like it, but the truth is that's not the reality. Let me explain. Here's what Paul knew that we would all agree with if we just took a few minutes to think about it. As rich people, We have margin in our time that non-rich people don't. Because we have a job. And we go to our job. And then we get off in the evenings. We get off at 5, 6, 7 o'clock. And we have evenings. And then our job lets us take one or two days off every single week. We don't have to work one or two days every week. We call it a weekend. It's Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. Like, we just don't have to work. And then, you guys, we're so rich that our job actually pays us one, two, three, four weeks every single year not to come to work. Our jobs actually pay us to not work. We're so rich, they pay us to not show up. It's called vacation days or PTO. 
paid time off. They pay us not to show up. Well, all this creates a bunch of margin that non-rich people don't have. Because non-rich people have to work two, maybe three jobs just in order to get food on the table and keep a roof over their head. So they don't have evenings. They don't have weekends because they got to go from one job to the next just to make ends meet, just to make sure they get food on the table. No one, and no one's paying them not to work. They don't get money when they don't show up to work. They have to actually physically be there every single day in order to get paid money. So there is very small margin of time in their life. And then you guys, you know this, middle school students, high school students. Like most, of, uh, most middle school, high school students that we all know, like they all, the biggest thing in your life is you got to hang out with your friends and go to school. Like that's what you got to do with your time. And you don't have to work in order to help provide for the family to get food on the table. Just to get food on the table. You don't have to work and put it into the family pot. If you, the whole reason you work is to do things you want to do or pay for your car or put gas in the car. And your non-rich, non-rich high school students are going, you have a car. Wait, your family has more than one car? You have your own that you get to drive around? Now, I say all this, and you may go, well, that, miss it. all this may be true, but I still don't feel like I have any time. And I believe the reason that most of us don't feel like we have margin in our time is because we're rich in options. We, as people who have more than we need, have a lot more options with what to do with our time than non-rich people do. We're able to fill our time with going to Husker games, going to the movies, going to our extra house, going on date nights, doing club sports. Oh, geez, Louise, the amount of money and time that club sports take. Don't even get me started on that. People who don't have more than they need don't have those options available. But we have a lot of options for what we can do with our time. And come on, if we're being honest... Our natural tendency is to spend my time on me. And that's not my opinion. Studies show the more, the more margin people have available, the less time they spend on serving others and the more time they spend on serving themselves. And that's not how to be rich. That's how to be selfish and self-serving. And being self-serving is a really bad way to be rich. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, don't get sucked up into every moment about, you know, being about for me, 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 me. Be rich by leveraging your margin of time, your weekends, your, your evenings, your vacations to serve others. And even though we may feel like, you know, Paul's beating us up a little bit, we know what he's saying is true. We know none of us need a lesson on how to be selfish because we got that down pat. We know that we're not naturally programmed to serve others, but to be self-serving. And Paul's going, listen, if you have margin, good, enjoy it, and don't feel guilty about it. But don't become selfish and self-focused. God gave you this margin, not just for you, but for the sake of what he wants to do in others' Through you. So be rich by serving in a way that only rich people can do to your full potential. Okay, you kind of narrow this all down with Paul and the other writers of the New Testament are saying, I think it'd be this the more we have, the more sacrificially we should serve. The way to be rich is, is to serve not if it's convenient for us 
or if we have nothing else going on, the way to be rich is to serve sacrificially when it costs you time, when it costs you comfort, and when it costs you your options. Now, regardless of what you believe about the Bible and what you believe about God and what you say you believe about Jesus, you want to heed heed Paul's instruction here and serve sacrificially. And you want to because it's going to make you happier if you do. Numerous studies show that, that, that the happiest people are the people who serve others. You want to heed Paul's instruction here because you want to make a difference in people's life, and this is how. You want to heed Paul's instructions here because of the impact it has on you. But for every person who says that they're a follower of Christ, for all of us who say that we've put our faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our life, the implications for us choosing to be rich and serve sacrificially are not are enormous talked about last week that Jesus' first century invitation was and his invitation for you and me today is simply follow me, follow me, follow me. And listen, this is so, what I'm about ready to say next is so important, especially if you say you're a follower of Christ, especially for those of us who say we put our faith in Jesus. This is so important. Following Jesus is more than believing in Jesus. Following Jesus is more than believing Jesus is real. It's more than praying. It's more than believing the words of Scripture are true. It's more than showing up on Sundays. Following Jesus actually has some fine print. And here's the fine print. Straight from the mouth of Jesus. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be a follower of mine, must Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their lives, which means live for themselves, will lose it, their lives. But whoever loses their life for me, and that word loses is not a passive word like something that happens to us. It's, it's an active choice. It means willingly sacrifice. Jesus is saying, whoever follows me by sacrificing their will, their desire, their plan, their wants, their interests, their kingdom for my will, my desires, my plans, my wants, my purposes, my kingdom, Jesus says, will find it. And the it he's referring to is life to the full. See, here's the fine print. Sacrificing our lives for Jesus is how we follow Jesus. Jesus is saying, in order to follow me, you must say no, 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 no to yourself first, and yes, 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 yes to me first. The question that all of us who have said we put our faith in Jesus, all of us who said, yes, I put my faith in Jesus, I've asked him to be the forgiver of my sins, leader of my life, the question that we must all answer honestly is not, do I believe in Jesus? The question we must honestly answer is, am I following Jesus? Following Jesus is more than just believing in Jesus. According to Jesus, sacrificing our lives for him is how we follow him. Which leads to the question, well, what does this practically look like? Like, how do we practically choose to sacrifice our lives for Jesus? And in Matthew 25, Jesus told us a big way how. Now, I'm going to read this passage, but before I read it, I want you to know this is a really weird passage. And as I read this, some of you are going, you people, you church people are so crazy for believing this stuff. And I get that. It, we are kind of crazy for believing some of this. This is definitely one of the things that we're crazy for believing. 
This passage is so weird because in it, Jesus refers to what he will do at what we call his second coming. And what I mean by that is during Jesus' three-year ministry, Jesus said over and over and over that he was going to die for the forgiveness of sins, then he was going to rise three days later, but then he was going to uh, physically leave this earth, but that then he would physically come back someday to reign as king and fully usher in the kingdom of God. Now, as unbelievably weird as that last part sounds to us, it was even weird, weirder to the 12 disciples that he originally said it to. <laughs> I imagine what they thought when they heard what we're about ready to read was, yeah, right, Jesus, you're crazy. But then, not long after Jesus said they, these words, they saw him die on a cross. And then a few days later, they had breakfast with him on the beach. And then 40 days later, they, they personally saw him physically ascend into the sky. And at that point in time, they're thinking, we didn't buy into this the whole resurrection prediction. But then he pulled that off. So now we're just going to go ahead and go ahead and believe everything else that he promised he said that he would do. And Matthew, who was one of the 12 disciples, thought, I better write down what Jesus said when he was with us so I don't forget it and so that other people can know about it too. So here are the words of Jesus that Matthew recorded about what he will do when he physically returns someday. Jesus said, when the Son of Man, that's, by the way, that's a phrase Jesus used to describe himself, so he's talking about himself in third person here. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And what do you do on the throne? He sits as judge and as king. All the nations, that's the short way of saying every person, Black, white, American, Middle Eastern, young, old, follower of Christ or not. It, no one's excluded from what follows. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So Jesus is saying, when I physically return someday, every person who ever lived will stand before me. And on that day, Jesus will separate everyone into two groups. What he, those he describes as sheep will be on his right, and those he describes as goats will be on his left. And what follows is Jesus telling us which group will enter into eternal life in the kingdom of God with him, and why, and which group will not, and why. So the question that you and I have to always ask as we read stories like this is, which group am I in? Because we're all going to be in one of these two groups. So which group am I in? And why am I in that group? That's the question that begs to be asked as you read through this, by the way. And Jesus goes on. Then the king, Jesus, will say those on his right, remember those are the sheep, he calls the sheep. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. <laughs> Jesus is saying, on that day when I physically return, my followers, those who truly have a relationship with me, those he's describing as sheep, will enter into, enter, into, enter into eternal life into God's kingdom with him. The question is, what will have demonstrated that these people are truly followers of Christ? And here is what. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. He's saying, you showed yourself to be one of my followers, truly one of my followers, because when I was in need, you sacrificially served me, which doesn't make sense at all. Because Jesus is referring to the here and the now, right now. That doesn't make sense. Because how can we serve Jesus when Jesus isn't physically here? 
I mean, have you ever seen Jesus physically hungry or thirsty or naked or sick or in prison? The answer is, no, you have not. So it's easy to understand why his sheep will ask the following questions. Then the righteous, and that's, by the way, a word that Jesus used to describe his, his followers. And being righteous means we're in right standing with God. Be, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the sheep are going, hey, Jesus, we never personally and we never physically saw you. So Jesus, how in the world did we serve you? And Jesus' response is so powerful and so practical. Then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for, saying, when you sacrificially served, one of the least, the hungry, the sick, the thirsty, the naked, those in prison, the lonely, the lost, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Once again, sacrificing our lives for Jesus is how we follow Jesus. And how do we practically sacrifice our lives for Jesus? Well, according to Jesus, one of the big ways is we sacrifice our lives for him by sacrificially serving others. Because when we sacrificially serve others, Jesus is really the one whom we're serving, the one we're sacrificing for, the one whom we're laying down our lives for. Now let me be ultra, ultra clear on something right here. Jesus is not talking about, in this passage, Jesus is not talking about how to be saved. Jesus is not talking about how we enter into a saving relationship with him in this passage. Jesus and the writers of the New Testament are very clear that we are saved from our penalty of sin by God's grace through faith in Jesus alone. Asking Jesus alone to be the forgiver of our sins, our Savior, and saying, Jesus, I want to follow you as the leader of my life, as my Lord. What Jesus is doing in this passage is he's talking about what it practically looks like to follow him and what demonstrates that we're actually already in a saving relationship with him. And according to Jesus, serving others sacrificially demonstrates we are in a saving relationship with Jesus. So if you kind of narrow this all down to one big idea, one phrase, I hope you remember, it's this. Following Jesus and sacrificially serving others are inseparable. They're inseparable. Now, those of us who claim to be followers of Christ should definitely pay close attention to what Jesus said next. Then he will say to those on his left, Jesus now turns attention to those he describes as goats, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus saying, on that day when I physically return, those who aren't one of my followers, even if they claim to be one of my followers, will be sent to live eternally outside of my kingdom, outside of God, holy creator God's presence. And what will have demonstrated that these people are actually not followers of Christ? This is what. 
For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Jesus said, you demonstrated you were not one of my followers because you didn't sacrificially serve me. And they'll ask the same questions the sheep ask. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do, For one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Say, when you saw someone in need and you didn't sacrificially serve them, you demonstrated you were not one of my followers. Because following me and sacrificially serving others, those are inseparable. And you think, well, why didn't they? Why didn't they? Why didn't they sacrificially serve others? And that's not the question we should be asking. At this point, the question we should be asking is much more personal. The question we should be asking is, why don't we? The question that you should be asking is, why don't I? Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. The reason we, the reason I don't, is because our natural tendency is to put me first. My natural tendency is to be selfish, to be self-serving, to sacrifice for me and what will benefit me. And that's not how to follow Jesus because sacrificing our lives for Jesus is how we follow Jesus. And listen, I'm going to say next, this is a hard truth. And if you can accept it, your life will be better. Here's the hard truth. We can sacrifice our lives for Jesus or for ourselves, but we can't sacrifice our lives for both. You and I can sacrifice our lives for Jesus or for ourselves, but you and I cannot sacrifice our lives for both. And the more we sacrifice for me, 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 the less we sacrifice our lives for Jesus. And who and what we sacrifice our lives for authenticates and demonstrates who we're truly following. It authenticates and demonstrates if we're truly followers of Christ. And here's how Jesus ends. Then they, the goats, will go away to eternal punishment outside of God's kingdom. But the righteous, the sheep, followers of Christ, to eternal life, because we're in our Heavenly Father's life-giving presence. Now, there are some couple big implications at this point just want to stop and look at after reading this passage. The first implication is for those of you who would say you're not followers of Christ. The implication for those of you who are not, uh, not in a saving relationship with Jesus is why wait another day to enter into that? Why would you wait another day to enter into that? Jesus himself said the entire reason that God sent him was to seek and save those who were lost. Those who have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. And that's you and me and everyone. Jesus was clear that our Heavenly Father sent him on a mission to save us from our penalty, uh, uh, from the penalty of our violation of sin against him, to forgive us, to restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with him in this life and in the next. 
That's what Jesus gave his life on the cross for. That's what Jesus rose from the grave to do. And that's what Jesus rose from the grave to prove that only he can do. And all this, all this is a free gift from God. We accept through faith in Jesus alone. Asking Jesus to be my forgiver, my savior, and the leader of my life, my Lord and my God. And listen, there is no better time to do that than today. And well, you'll never feel any pressure for me to do that. Yet the decision you have to make. But if you feel a stirring, if you feel a prompting, if you feel like, a, I can't believe this, but I feel like I, I ought to do that. Before we walk out of here today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me to do that. The second implication, though, is for those of you who say you're followers of Christ. The implication for those of us who say we're followers of Christ is we must choose, choose to lay down our lives and sacrificially serve who and what Jesus cares about. People who are broken, hurting, lost, lonely, or, or in need because following Jesus and sacrificially serving others are inseparable. Listen, you can serve others without following Jesus, and you should. You can serve others and still not follow Jesus. But you can't follow Jesus without sacrificially serving others. Because following Jesus and sacrificially serving others are inseparable. Now the Apostle Paul was very familiar with these words from Jesus. Which is why he said the way to be rich and follow Jesus is to serve sacrificially. And doing this, you guys, it's so simple. Not easy, but simple. In order to be good at being rich by sacrificially serving others requires we apply one simple phrase. And the phrase is, see a need, serve the need. See a need, serve the need. Very simple. Not easy, but simple. When we see someone hurting, hungry, in pain, going through hardship, suffering, serve them. When we see someone with a need at home, at work, at school, in our neighborhood, at community, at, in our community, at, in, within our church, serve them. When you, see, when you see a need and think someone should do something, then do something. Because if not you, then who? When you hear about opportunities that are relevant to serve on a team or in our community together, or our Korean refugee friends, or at a service project we're doing, and you think someone ought to do that. You've seen the need, and now you get the opportunity to serve the need. So listen, if, you're, if you'd say you're a follower of Christ, you'd say you put your faith in Jesus, I have a question for you. My question is, what's preventing you from sacrificially serving others? What's preventing you from serving the needs that you see? And guys, we just got to be honest with ourselves. What prevents you and what prevents me is me, my desires, my wants, my plans, my will, my way, my comfort, my calendar, my options. It is so easy to live for me, 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 while claiming at the same time to follow Jesus which we cannot. Which is why we must remember the words of the one whom we say we follow. The words of the one whom we say is the leader of our life. The words of the one whom we say is our Lord. The words of him who said, whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Following Jesus and sacrificially serving others, they're inseparable. And you have to know, it may cost you at some point in time to do this. That's why it's called sacrificial. (laughs) At some point, sacrificially serving others may cost you time. Time with your friends and family. Time by yourself. Time on weekends and evenings. Time playing video games. Time doing what you want to do. It may cost you comfort. It may cost you money. It may cost you your options. It may cost you the ability to go to the Husker game or one of your 80 baseball games that you play every summer or date night or that weekend getaway or that concert. Sacrificially serving may cost you, but it's worth it. Sacrificially serving others is worth it because of what it does in you. You guys, come on. We are all searching for purpose and fulfillment and contentment. And we live in the world that says, look within to find it. You find all that within, so focus on me, 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 me. And it ain't helping. No one's finding it. And do you know why it ain't going to ever help? Because it's never found in here. It's always found looking out here and giving your life away for other people. And the more we give our life away, the more we experience the fullness of life. Sacrificially serving others is worth it. It's worth it because of what it does in you. It's worth it because of what it does in them. It's how people know and see and experience and feel Jesus' extravagant love for them. And it's worth it because of what it does in a watching world. A watching world is very skeptical of what we, what the church believes. What they should never be skeptical of is how well we sacrificially serve. I want you to imagine this. Imagine a world where people who are skeptical of what we believe are envious of how well we serve each other and are amazed at how well we serve them. That may not make a skeptical world want to believe what we believe, but it's probably the best chance we have for them to want to know us. Come on, and you know this. And if there's ever any hope to introduce people to Jesus, they better want to know those of us who claim that we're followers of Jesus. The really cool thing about the Be Rich season is that we, get the all, all, we all get the opportunity to practice being rich by sacrificially serving next Saturday at our annual serve day. This is the one day Every year where we all come, to, all come together as a church to serve the needs of our, in our community, people in our community, some of our local nonprofit partners, and Korean refugees in Jesus' name. Through Serve Day, we get the opportunity to make a huge difference in one day together. We get the opportunity to show our community that we are for them, and so is God. Our first annual Serve Day was in 2019. Over the past four years, through, through Serve Day, 3,579 hours has been served in our community, and God has used that in huge ways for his glory. Well, we want to continue making a huge impact together this year. So for this year, Serve Day 2023, next Saturday, we're doing 12 different projects together. And I don't have time to talk about what we're doing in all 12 of these projects, but I just want to quickly point out a couple things about a few of them. First, you'll notice that Five, pro- five projects are at five different Elkhorn Public Schools that we've adopted. I talked a little about this last week, that whenever we adopt an Elkhorn Public School, we invest heavily into the administration, the teachers, the students, the facility itself, in, in numerous ways in order to help make them a better and healthier school. 
And one of the ways we invest in them is by sacrificially serving them at Serve Day. Second thing I want to point out is there are three projects specifically for Rooted or Youth United students. The Camp River Press Camp Rivercrest project is for Rooted Middle School, that's our middle school ministry, is for Rooted students and leaders only, and is actually next Sunday afternoon, not next Saturday. The Arborview Elementary project and the Blue Sage Elementary project is for YU students, YU is our high school ministry, it's for YU high school students and leaders only. Listen, if you're a middle school student or a high school student and you've never been to Rooted or Youth United before, serving at one of these projects is a perfect time to jump in. And parents, if they don't want to jump in, jump them in. <laughs> last thing I want to, that is a funny phrase, jump them in. Uh, last thing I want to point, last project. If you don't have a preference where to serve as you look at this list, most people are needed at the Corinne Home Makeover Project. For this project, we'll be serving a single Korean refugee mom and her four children. This mom actually grew up in Burma, ended up as an orphan in a refugee camp in Thailand at age 15. And then in 2014, she was fortunate enough to be resettled to America and landed here in Omaha. She's been married twice, but both marriages ended in divorce because uh, both of her ex-husbands became addicted to drugs and physically abused her. Now she's a single mom trying to raise four kids ages 3 through 12 and works at a meatpacking plant to financially support them. All five of them live in a two-bedroom apartment with absolutely nothing. The only furniture in their entire apartment is a couch and a table that she picked up on the side of the road. None of them have beds. None of them sleep on beds. Like, it's, none of us would live this way. And we're going to change all of that. We're going to gut out this apartment, deep clean it, completely furnish it with all the bells and whistles and all the furniture and make sure all of them have beds and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a huge blessing to this current refugee family. But to pull it off in one day, to pull us off, we've got to have about 114 people to pull this project off in one day. Uh, just like with the Be Rich offering, our primary goal, our primary goal with Serve Day is 100% engagement. We're asking 100% of people to serve next Saturday at Serve Day for a two to four hour block. It's not even all day. For a two to four hour block at one of these 12 projects because the more of us who serve, the bigger impact we can make in this one day. So I want to invite you to sign up before you leave this morning. Before you get up and walk out or before you log off on your computer, I want to invite you to sign up. Most projects you don't need any special skills at. You just need a willingness to serve sacrificially. And if you have young kids and wondering what to do with your young kids, bring them. It will be impactful for them. So to sign up, all you got to do is go to the mobile app, our mobile app, or our website. You can sign up right there. If you want to get there quick, text the word, the two words, serve day, to 55444, and we will send you a link direct, we'll text you a link directly to our website. After you sign up, sometime before next Saturday, you will get directions via email about where to go, when to be there, what to wear, all that stuff. So sometime next Thursday or Friday, you'll probably get that email uh, for the project that you signed up for. Serve Day, it's always a fun experience. It's always an amazing experience. As you take time to sign up, I want to give you just a little glimpse at Serve Day from last year. So go ahead and take a look. <laughs> We have an awesome huge group of volunteers out here at COPE and they are sorting through donations, getting new stuff out on the floor. And this having a huge crew to really just rotate it is awesome. 
Relevant was kind enough to supply us with something along the lines of 25 people. Um, those 25 people are going around downtown Elkhorn and they're doing all 24 of the actual lamp posts in Garland uh, with a really, you know, nice red bow at the top. I think this year is going to be uh, extra special just because it's going to be even more vibrantly bright than it previously has been. today at some of the Elkhorn schools. We're at Westridge Elementary right now and Elkhorn Middle School. Um, we're picking up the grounds, cleaning up trash, um, pulling leaves out of landscaping just to really make our schools look really nice. Well, we're in King Lake and uh, we actually just finished up uh, getting all the flood victims. The ones that wanted to come back got them back into their homes. So we're pretty much done with the rebuilding part of it. But still people are living out here and they don't have, uh, they don't have heat other than burning wood. And so we have our fourth annual Feast and Firewood Day. It's a joint effort between Omaha Rap Response and Relevant. So we're out here cutting up wood. We've got a lot of trees down. We cut some trees down, some good wood, and we're delivering it to uh, 11 homes. We're doing a Corinne uh, clothing drive today. Uh, we took about 35 people from Youth United, uh, students and leaders, and uh, came down here and got all the clothes that uh, people have donated on first Thursdays and, and set them out on tables, and people got to come over and pick up as many clothes as they wanted. Uh, boxes and boxes and boxes of clothes were given out. We still have so much extra that we're now going to take over uh, at the end and, and uh, uh, give it to the Goodwill as well. So what we're doing here at the warehouse is getting the warehouse in great shape for our refugee families to come shop and, you know, be able to have enough inventory for them. Um, just keeping the, the space um, clean and also get, uh, providing the furniture that they could use to make their house feel like a home. So that was just a little look at some of the things we did last year, and this year is going to be so, so awesome. We're going to be accomplishing so much more. So, hey, let's be rich and serve sacrificially next Saturday at our annual serve day. Let's be rich. Because following Jesus and serving sacrificially, well, those are inseparable. Let's be rich and show a watching world that our church, well, our church is not just a bunch of songs and sermons. Let's be rich and communicate to our community that we are for them and so is God. Let's be rich in Jesus' name and watch the impact that Jesus can and will make through it. Dear Lord. I pray that uh, as we go and serve next Saturday together in this small way, it's such a small way, um, Lord, that you're just glorified and that we make a big impact and, uh, Lord, a lot of the needs that we're serving, Lord, they're, they're fully met, um, but, Lord, I pray that also the people we're serving and, and the people who are watching us serve, there's something about them that just, something about what we're doing that just makes them turn to you and look to you and be in awe of you, not us, but you. Um, and they feel your love through it. Uh, Lord, and I pray that as we do and we serve this and we be rich in this way, that this is not something that just stops next Saturday, but that carries on. Um, because, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to follow you. And we realize these two things are inseparable. Oh, Lord, finally, for every person who's never put their faith in you, and as I talked about that earlier, and they felt that stirring, that prompting, and wanted, I pray that right now, quietly, where they're at, either in this room or at home, Lord, they choose to put their faith in you right now. They choose to quietly put their faith in you by, saying, by con, uh, confessing that they need a Savior. 
because they realized their sin broke their, 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 their sin broke their relationship with you, Heavenly Father. And right now they declare, Jesus, that they, they believe that you are that Savior, that you are their Savior because your death on the cross and resurrection was from the grave was sufficient to pay for their sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask that they be your Savior. That you be their Savior. That right now where they're asked, they, they put that, right now where they're, they're at, they ask you, Jesus, will you be the forgiver of my sins? And Jesus, will you be the leader of my life, my Lord? In Jesus' name, amen.